Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. I am so excited for us one of for first of all, it being Friday and for us getting through this crazy week. If this is your first time listening to Conversations with Toy, welcome to this space. We talk about self-care, we talk about mental health, we talk about social media stories, we talk about it all. Why? Because we are all living in this world as crazy and ghetto as it can be. And we're all trying to figure out how to live our best lives and what that all means. And to be honest with you, we're all figuring this out one day at a time. So if you've stumbled upon this page in this podcast and you are thinking that you have to have your life so cookie cutter and so perfect and so put together, please understand this space was for you. This is the space for us to just figure things out, figure out life. And again, we're going to make mistakes However, we're just going to continue to push through and dust ourselves off and try one more time to get it right. Make sure that you share this podcast with someone that may need to hear it. I hope that when you leave this space, that when you leave, that you feel like somebody understood you, that finally somebody heard you and that you are seen and heard and that you're not alone. That is the ultimate goal when you come to this podcast and once you leave. So let's get started. So let's talk about this week. Let's just give a really good, quick catch up from the last time that we talked. Now, the last time that we spoke, I don't even know if I mentioned it, but I'm in a boot. And by boot, I don't mean um, your latest fashion boot. I mean, one of those, you know, fail and hurt yourself. And now you're looking like somebody that's, you know, need of assistance. You're almost one step away from a cane or one step away from a crutches, but you're not fully in one. That is what I'm in. Um, I believe it's been a little over a week that I've been into it and it's been helping with relieving the pain. So how did I get into the boot? Crazily enough, working out on my bike, my stationary bike, and kind of working a little too hard. But the biggest problem wasn't just the working, working out and getting hurt. The biggest issue was that when I did get hurt, I didn't stop. So that means for five days that you've been hearing me talk about how I've been getting up at 445 in the morning and doing my sleep schedule, I was still getting up faithfully every morning for five days a week from Sunday through Thursday morning. And I was getting up and working out, knowing that my foot was in pain, knowing that it was just in the most excruciating pain afterwards and push just pretty much pushing through or just keep going, right? Just kept going. That has caused more detriment in my healing process. So let me just say as a word to someone like who is stubborn like me, I'm a Taurus. I'm very stubborn, but I'm more or less stubborn because I feel like I don't want to stop. And I'll take like I'll schedule like I actually in real life do schedule breaks. But beyond that, I'm like, when I don't schedule a break, or if I'm not getting sick or anything is not happening, then I'm fine. So I didn't listen to my body. And therefore, I'm in this godforsaken ugly black boot 
that should hopefully help me because I'm trying to prevent surgery around here. I cannot even fathom having another surgery. At this point, I honestly feel like I don't have anything left to give. I don't have an appendix. I don't even have a uterus. I have nothing. So at this point, I'm hoping to avoid surgery by all costs. So that is what I'm doing physically. That's where I'm at. The other uninteresting part of this week was we had snow days. So I live in Philadelphia with my family. I'm married. I have three children. And we had a very interesting snow day. Now, this snow was coming down from what? Sunday through Tuesday. Three days. And they were telling us that it was going to be like 12 to 18. I'm not quite sure if we ever hit 12 inches here in Philadelphia. Maybe not my neighborhood. It didn't seem that bad. I will say kudos to Philadelphia because they actually shoveled out the city and got everything cleaned up super fast. I have never, I've been here now 10 years as we celebrated last week and I have never in my life seen Philly clean it, the city up for snow as quickly as they did this particular time. Now I don't know if that's because of COVID and they were just like, you know, excited because this is probably the biggest snowstorm that we've had in five years. Maybe that was what the, the big rush was, but regardless of whatever it went down, the cities were the streets were super clean. Like I actually could have gotten on the road on the road and driven. I absolutely hate driving in the snow. I will do anything and everything to be off the roads when it's snowing. So that is only one of the good drawbacks of being um, in a pandemic is that because everybody's working from home and the kids are going to school at home, I'm not having to drive as often. So thankfully, because of the boot, I'm not having to drive for the next couple of weeks. So I say let it snow because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not driving and it's all good. We have a couple of things that I want to talk about tonight or today. Yeah, today. Still early, right? I wanted to talk about difficult people, like navigating this space when you're working around difficult people, living around difficult people, having to maintain relationships with difficult people. You know, adulting in this is another level when it becomes, especially with friendships, you know, with a romantic relationship, it can kind of go up or down. It can fizzle. You have so many different ways of navigating that. But when you become an adult and you're having to uh, to navigate adult relationships, especially friendships, it can be super tricky. The other thing is we're going to talk about is making yourself small when you go into meetings. I'm going to talk about that first and the reason why. So obviously with being a podcaster, a blogger and an influencer, I have several meetings quite often, several times a week. I have about 10 to 12 meetings, give or take. And a lot of times, especially when you're in a group setting for meetings, I find the way that you introduce yourself is extremely, extremely important. I know a lot of people who are on Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse. You can find me there as, as Toy Time Blog. But it's extremely important that you own a room whenever you walk into it. Now, get, again, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm the type of person that used to always have such a difficult time networking because networking is legit putting yourself out there working a room and so now that we're all pretty much behind our computer screens or our phones we're having to do the same thing but more virtually and virtually actually should be giving everyone the practice that they absolutely need because doing it virtually will give you all like a, almost like a confidence booster so that when it is time for you to go in person it can hopefully take the sting of it but when you go into a room and you're introducing yourself and you say things like, 
my little blog. My, oh, this is just something that I do on the side. You're already cutting yourself. You're already undercutting yourself from the gate. When I go into a room, whether this be clubhouse or this is a meeting with any whomever, I don't sugar, I don't sugarcoat it and I don't cut myself from the gate. And what do I mean by that? I mean the ability to make yourself seem so small as if whatever you're doing is just this little, this little hobby, right? When I started off as, I've, I haven't been a podcaster, not even a year. I've only been a podcaster for a couple of months. At the end of the day, just because this is only a couple of months, I'm still a podcaster, correct? And so when I started my blog, I used to say, say things like that all the time. Oh, my blogger is just a hobby. It's something I do on the side. Listen, if you go into a meeting, if you go into a room and the first thing you start saying is my little or just a hobby or something I do on the side, guess what's going to happen? You set the tone for how companies, executives and other people in the room will view you and see you. They're going to see you as a hobby. They're going to see you as something small. They're going to see you as your little blog. You have to go in the room and say and act like and know within yourself that you are the most efficient podcaster you have ever heard your numbers is already stacked your pie your blog is already off the charts your numbers are exuberantly high because you've been doing this you own that space you're confident about what you're talking about you're here to be a force to be reckoned with you have to own every room even when you're super nervous you have to own every room and you cannot do not make yourself small for literally anybody because I'm telling you, the way you set that as a tone, they're going to treat you like that. They're going to treat you like, oh, look at her with her little podcast. Look at her with her little blog or her little side hustle. You have to make it seem as if you were literally born to do this. Because for some of us who are walking in this, we were born to do it. No one can write like me. No one can speak like me. No one can do the things that I do because I was born to do it. So it's not a side hustle. It's not a little business. It's not a small anything. It's what I do. So just a little tidbit, walk into a room and legit own it. Own it not once, not twice, every single time. You have no idea who is listening. You have no idea who is watching. You have no idea who needs to hear your story. I was on internet, you know, these internet streets. I call them internet streets because let me tell you, the internet works just like uh, it's a whole other world of its own. And so as I'm on the internet, I was, I don't remember who it was, but I was, you know, viewing the stories, going through everything. And somebody posted something that made so much sense. And I know we hear it all the time. The reason why I talk about the things that I struggle with or the things that I've done well is because there's somebody else that's going through the same exact thing that feels like they're completely alone and they have nobody to confide in. And for what? We all are so connected regardless. We don't even realize how connected that we truly, truly are. So for instance, if I talk about mental health care and we are going to talk about my therapy this week, just because I want to encourage other people that it's okay to get therapy. Don't let nobody walk you out of healing just because you're ashamed of what a heckler is going to say. Now, let me tell you something. A heckler is going to come in the form of your parents it's going to come in the form of your friends. It's going to come in the form of your coworkers. But I'm going to tell you something. When you start to walk in your healing, you don't care what people think. Like what they're thinking isn't going to stop you from, from reaching your goal. And one thing about it is 
Getting your therapy and becoming whole and happy is the best feeling in the whole entire world. I'm telling you. But back to owning yourself. So the person wrote in the story that you are uniquely divinely here to tell your story like your story was done like everything that's ever happened to you all of the bad things that has happened to you right every decision that I have made that was shown of bad and I've made too many to even put into words everything every door that was shut every person that was like eh, not her not her she ain't not her she ain't the one we want everything that has ever happened was forming you as a person or forming me as a person and the story that comes behind that is so meant to be told. It's supposed to be as a testimony. That's why, you know, when you ever went to a black church and maybe just as you're listening, you're like, oh, I've never been to a black church. This is the whole reason for testimony service. So I'm a PK, a preacher's child, a preacher's kid. And we used to have testimony service. And in testimony service, you would get up and you would talk about the goodness of the Lord and you would talk about the things that you've you've gotten over but even if you don't believe in the the essence of what a testimony is I'm telling you that you still are a walking example that even if you fall 20 million times you can get up 21 20 million and one times it does not matter what you're in there's always redemption and so therefore when you're walking you're talking and you are don't realize that you're a walking billboard you're a walking billboard that there's hope in the world you're a walking billboard. Like for me, my story, I'm a walking billboard that says you can be in the most postpartum depression. You can be in the most, you know, other depressions that you've had in your life. You can have friends walk out on you. You can almost mess up your relationship with your significant other. You can even feel like you're about to mess it up with your kids. But even if everything that you feel like you've even come into contact, you feel like you have messed it all the way up. I am here to let you know that there is so much that can turn around when you just put your faith one in God and in whatever you choose to call. And if you put your your, your love back into yourself, like self-love, self-care will really help you. And a little bit therapy, therapy on the side as well. So when I talk about owning who you are. I personally could never go back and change some of the things that have been said and done. I cannot go back. Once it's done, once it's said, it's done. I can change, however, how I respond to things, how I maneuver in life and how I press forward. Which brings me to talking about difficult people. I think I'm getting to the point um, this this week. This is actually my husband's birthday was yesterday. So happy belated birthday to him officially on the podcast, especially since we've had him as a guest here on the podcast. So I wanted to officially say happy birthday to my amazing husband. He just turned 40 and I'll be 40 this year as well. I don't know if it's the age or whatever it is, but dealing with difficult people changes the game from when you were in your 20s to when you're in your now almost 40s for at least for me, almost 40. When I was in my 20s and my early late, late teenager years, I was always about drama, right? Yelling, screaming, cursing somebody out, uh, fighting. Yes, all of that. Nothing for me. It would be super easy, too easy for me to do. As I gotten older, as I've gotten wiser, if I've gotten smarter, as I've just learned and lived a little bit, like my mom would say, my grandma would say, my great grandma would say, if you just live a little bit. As I got to that point where I started to live a little bit, those things just didn't become 
and it really just I just was not my cup of tea anymore right I'm even very clear like I don't even watch that much social like was it uh reality television I don't even really watch it and when I say I don't really watch it it's true to goodness I don't watch it my biggest issue when you're working with difficult people as an adult and again I'm only prefacing this conversation for right now towards a difficult friendship because you know friendships they change like for instance I love my girlfriends and I know some of them are listening because they're so amazing friends and they really do support the things that I do. And I'm so grateful for you guys. Every last one of you that are listening and you're like my real life girlfriend or friend. I'm always here and always bigging up my friends. I try to do the best I can to do that. However, the level of relationship that I have with each and every last one of them has exclusively changed and even changed in the last couple of years. And the reason why is that as you grow and as you get older and as you just start maturing you just start seeing life totally different so what I would accept in my 20s even from my really good friends I'm talking about long I've most of my friends are 20 years or, or longer I would say I don't accept the type of behavior that even from myself and or from other people so if I had friends that I felt like was just like listen I'm all about keeping it real anybody that talks to me I try to be as honest and, and as and as authentic and is you know those trigger words that we use all those things to my friends I try to do the very best that I can however there could be a situation where you know going and keeping it real can go real wrong and so this whole this whole mentality of I'm the friend that keeps it real you're also the friend that also other people cannot approach you become the friend that everybody's just like "Uh, can't confide in that person because you don't want to hear the level of, of, of shenanigans. I'm all for being honest with your friends. I'm all for that. But I think there has to be a level of balance. And as you become older and you're adulting, some of that foolishness that we did in the name of keeping it real is real stupid. It's real ignorant. It's real unnecessary. It's real drama. It's real toxic. And, and when I say toxic, I'm saying I can be a toxic person. You can be a toxic person. Like we all have to own our toxicity and we really got to get on to do better. We have to figure out and find ways to talk to one another, to interact with another one another, to become not necessarily agreeable because we don't have to agree, but we have to be able to be adults. And I'm realizing more and more that my level of when I'm dealing with friends or when I'm dealing with people or acquaintances too my level of entertainment for certain wordages, certain tones just don't serve me. Like I'm, I just, I'm not receptive. And I used to think I feel so guilty about that. Like, oh, you know, well, you know how that person is. But, you know, sometimes we make this excuse and I'm talking about myself too. We make this excuse that we know how a person is, but reality is because that person has no incentive to change. If their friendship can be, if they can mirror and mold themselves to be what they choose to be and you're not stopping them, you're not speaking up, you're not doing any of that, what is their incentive to change if it's not a true change from the inside for them? For me, I'm getting to the point where I can communicate like, hey, that you know what? That tone don't work. I actually had a friend that came into my house. And I, won't even, I don't even know if you want to call her a friend or acquaintance. Started going down a laundry list of things that I should fix in my house. This was like a couple of years ago and I was just sitting there like how crazy we don't check people when they do stuff like that. Now, now 
at almost 40, I probably would have been very pleasantly asked them to leave. Why? Because there's just certain things you just don't do. You don't go into somebody else's home where they're trying to make you feel comfortable and make you feel like invited and warm and all that stuff. My peace for me means the absolute most. So this has been my rule, my new rule with my husband and I have made this new rule. And it's when we're dealing with other people, especially those that we do not live with, right? That's family, friend, animal, whoever, anybody that we do not live with. We only get about maybe one or two conversations that we can bring something up that we did not address. Now, let me explain. I know that sounds crazy. It sounds harsh, but it works for us. If I get into an argument or I get into something or there's a conversation that's had between my friend and I. We are our rule is that when we come home, we don't need to have this long drawn out conversation. We're talking about this five or six times about the same person doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. The reason why one talking to my husband is beautiful. We have a great communication, but talking to the person by whom we've had the fault or who we felt fought it by is an even better conversation because talking to him can only solve nothing. Talking to him becomes a venting situation, but venting has to have its purpose. Venting has to be something that you that you you put out into the atmosphere because you have to release it and then you have to have some type of action behind it. If you're talking about the same thing 10 times in a row and it's the same folks, you're exhausting your the person that you're talking to, especially when there's no action plan. Even if your action plan is I'm going to leave them alone, but you're still talking about them 10 to 20 times about the same thing and about the same person. It's like, did you go back and pick them back up? Did you go back and have another interaction with them? If you're not having any active act interaction with certain people and you're talking to your mate about them, same people 10 to 20 times after you've already had the initial conversation, I am telling you, you are draining the, your mate to no end. And we have to let go of this, this thought process that because we have this mate, a husband, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever floats your boat, do you? That is not a reason to exhaust our mate because of something that we never checked, something that we didn't handle and something that we did not fix. Our mate, our person that we're living with, our true love cannot is not responsible for taking care of healing us from the same things that we won't deal with. So if I have a situation with one of my friends and I'm angry about that situation, whether it's I'm upset about it, you get two, two, three Three is the top chances to come and have that same conversation. But after a while, it's a wrap. You have to talk to that friend and address whatever is going on. Because again, talking to the person who did not offend, who did not do anything, is not doing any, it's not changing anything. So we have to have conversations be about something. It has to bring something, some type of relief, some type of action, And if you get to the point where you're not able to do that, then it's time to talk to a therapist. Talking to a therapist can help you, but even then they will guide you. I've been in therapy for a while. They will guide you to tell you, listen, hey, I know you're struggling. I see I can hear it because your conversations will always betray you. I'm telling you right now, the thing that you talk about the most, the person you talk about the most, the people you talk about the most, the convers- the situations that you talk about the most, those are the things that actually are bothering you the most. That's why you talk about them. 
when you learn to expel that energy to something else, you don't even bring them up. And you don't even bring them up because you have an example every time somebody else is going through something, you don't got to bring that up again. Because we've all heard the story, right? So be very careful. And this is just a this is advice, you can take it, you can leave it, you can do whatever you want to do. But be very careful somehow, sometimes we drain other people around us and or our spouses specifically, because of things that we will not heal from and or we will not deal with, we will not attack, we'll have a conversation with our significant other about what we wish we would have told somebody and then don't do it. So my personal rule for myself, because I've been in situations where I felt bad because I should have said something or I should have spoken up. So sometimes I still fight that battle like, okay, I might let that person slide with whatever situation it might have been. But then that second time I have to address it because I hate that feeling of coming home and you're like telling like for me to tell my husband, oh, I wish I could have. So I don't give myself the wish I could. have. I, I give myself permission to say what I need to say. And even if you're the type of person that's not combative, find a way, a window, a, a moment, an email, or anything to try to communicate. Because I'm telling you, when you hold that stuff in and then you're bringing it to somebody else, you cannot get any further than that. Because you're not going to be able to handle the actual situation. All you're doing is venting and venting and venting. It's just like hot air. Don't nobody want to talk to nobody with no hot air, right? So when you're dealing with difficult people and you will, and we have, especially with like if they're a coworker, you have to find some type of medium to put some space in between, or you're going to have to be, sometimes you have to be direct with people, be direct with people. And I'm learning more and more again, as I'm maturing, as I'm getting older, as I'm learning about myself and things that I will tolerate and the things that I will not. I give myself permission to be honest. I give myself permission to be okay in my feelings to let that sit like to be angry about something that somebody said and deal with it. To be upset about something that was done and then find a way to have a solution for me. And is anybody else who's ever been in this lifestyle or used to complain about a lot of things? And I mean, not a lot of things. I mean, pretty much everything. You have to be able to talk about something and let it go. You got to be like frozen. Let it go. You really do. Because I'm telling you, it's draining. If no one is telling you that you are draining, I'm telling you, just take a step back. Put yourself in the shoe of the other person that's listening to you complain about the same thing. I promise you, you will come to a solution within yourself. And sometimes that solution is just learning to forgive somebody, even when you know it's not going to do anything for that other person, but it's going to release you to release them. You won't have that person on your mind. You won't be talking about the things that there's that's going down. You just won't have that type of energy because you got to put that energy where it belongs. It doesn't belong in your life. It really does not. So this week has been, like I said, very interesting because of the snowstorm. My kids had two snow days. So Monday and Tuesday were just very interesting. And it actually took me off of my game for like rest. Like we slept in a little longer. We got up a little longer, a little later. So it was just throwing me off my game. Uh, one of the things that 
again, that we talk about here, we always talk about self-care. We always talk about, you know, mental health, because again, we have to have these conversations. There's always going to be someone who is struggling, you know, I've, and if you follow me on social media, you can find me on toy time blog. I was talking about morning anxiety this week. Now I wasn't experiencing it this week. I know people are like, what is going on? She's always anxious. No, I actually wasn't experiencing any morning anxiety, but it's that feeling that you have when you wake up first thing in the morning, you didn't already spent the whole night stressing, whatever it is that you have going on. And sometimes you don't even realize that the stress that you have on you. So you wake up in the morning and you realize, man, I just don't feel like getting up or you get up really hesitant. You're not as joyful. You don't really have a plan. You don't have really set goals. You're just kind of like going through the motions. So I talked about morning anxiety and what things that you can do to get past that morning anxiety. These are just tips that I have been implementing these may not work for you, but I would adjure you to figure out what you can do to set your morning. For me, that may start off with prayer or meditation, giving myself 10 to 15 minutes to get myself together, um, setting a time to get up so that I don't feel rushed. You know how that morning when you feel like you're just getting up and you're just going? Setting a time, getting up with intention, prayer or meditation, and not getting on your cell phone until after your morning routine is complete. For instance, washing your face, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom, getting washed up or showered and dressed, then going into your cell phone before. It's just you just want to cut back on the whole jumping on your cell phone first thing in the morning. Another thing to help with anxiety in the morning is also decreasing your coffee or caffeine, I should say. I am a bona fide coffee drinker. Love it. I love the smell of it. I love the taste of it. I just love, 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 love coffee until I can get to my wine glass. However, as much as I do love it, and I have the newest Keurig and I have all of these things, thankfully, they were gifted. Let me just say, I have noticed that once I cut my caffeine, I don't drink caffeine or coffee maybe one day, one time during the week and then on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, because I'm an avid coffee drinker, that's major for me. Like it's the caffeine decrease for me. So I have not been drinking any coffee. I've only been doing teas and making sure that my tea doesn't have any caffeine in it as well because some teas do. And I find that my mornings have been going a lot smoother. I'm not as jittery. I'm not on edge. I'm not all extra, you know, extra caffeinated. I'm able to just flow through the day. So that's another thing that I've been doing, which helps to stop or eliminate the morning anxiety. Also, I have been getting into this journal of gratitude by writing things down. I keep a journal with me either upstairs, downstairs, no matter where I'm at on each of the three floors in my house. I make sure that I have something that I can write with that is more about gratitude, thinking, th you know, writing things down about myself affirmations. This has been extremely, extremely helpful. I'm already a type of person that deals with anxiety to some extent. Thankfully, with therapy, I've been getting us so much better. And then finding out and finding tune the reasons why I'm having the issues that I'm having, which brings me to my therapy update. Again, I cannot stress this enough. I am a woman of faith. I believe in God. I do all those things. But I also believe that God also made 
people that he has placed in our life, in our eco, in our communities that are gifted into what they do. They are intelligent in what they do. They have studied, they have done their work and we need them. So for instance, a therapist is somebody that you can talk to that's licensed professional, depending on the type of therapy that you need. And they're able to help you navigate the journey. They are not to, they are not going to put your life together. Let's be clear. And if you don't do any work outside of the therapy sessions, you are not going to profit or gain anything or become better or even heal. So for me, my therapists have been amazing. We've gotten to the point where it's really going well and we have a system going on and, and I can talk about how I'm feeling and there's a solution, but it's a guided solution. And they're there. My therapist is there to help me put my life back together to heal the little girl inside of me that may be still struggling from whatever the case may be. And I keep getting asked all the time, why are you in counseling? Why are you in therapy? Uh, this is a pandemic that's going on. People are isolated. I'm somewhat isolated. Like I said, I have, you know, my family that's here, but that's it. And if I don't go out of this house to go do just normal little things here and there, we would literally just be in this house. That's enough to get therapy. My kids, I have them. I have no shame in that. They are in therapy as well. Just making sure that everybody is happy and whole. And it's helpful. It's necessary. I don't have anything against people who who have pastors or spiritual leaders or guidance, you know, guidance, people that they feel like they can speak to a friend, any of that. However, I preface the fact that therapists are trained to hear, to see, and to be aware. And there are certain skill sets, in my opinion, that therapies, therapists have to help you to guide you past the craziest of things that you may have going on in your life. So that's why I'm always on team therapy. I don't think you have to go through it for the rest of your life. You may need to go for a season. You may have to stop and then go for another season. There may be things that triggers in your life that you should outsource and you need that help. There is absolutely nothing wrong. There's nothing weak about someone who's in therapy. None of that. So if anybody is ever talking to me, I'm always going to be on team therapist because I think we all could. And, you know, even people who say things like, oh, I don't have any problems. I'm fine. Um, I think everybody should honestly at least try it a couple times. I think honestly you would benefit from it. You really would benefit from it. And so, yeah, that is the update. I'm still in therapy. My therapy is still going strong. I'm still working through forgiveness. This is why I talk about it all the time because I'm still working through it. If I find that there are things that I'm not completely healed from or because, again, forgiveness and healing and all that mental space, it's not an upscale. And then if you drop, then something's wrong. It's going to drop because life drops. So you're going to have moments when things are good and there's going to be times when things are bad. You just have to use the skills that you're given to become better. We are in the midst of Black History Month. And I wanted to talk about this really, really quick, and especially for the influencer space. Now, again, I told you again, I am a podcaster. That's how you got here. I am also a blogger and I'm also considered an influencer. Because I work in the influencer world, 
This means that I navigate and work with companies and or partnerships with companies. I personally do not navigate that space unless it's something that I truly have one forever used. Number two, something or a company that I actually stand behind and stand with. And the reason is very simple. Now, just because it's Black History Month, I'm, I don't need to go through a long list of reasons as to why Black history, as well as all American history, should be um, celebrated and or um, encouraged in all homes. That's just what it boils down to. However, I will say that when it comes to Black History Month, I find that all these companies, especially those who blacked out their social medias in the summertime, I need you to do more than just summertime blocking out. I need you to block out in the summer. I need you to have your black history moments this month. And then I need you to take it a step further. And what do I mean by that? You should have people that make up your team as far as all aspects of marketing. Meaning if your social media page looks very whitewashed, I need you to change that. I need all colors represented on your social media page. How are you selling a product that's only got five or six, you know, chocolate chips in the cookie? Like I like chocolate chips. I need you to put a couple more in there, right? Just a couple more. I need for companies to take a true stand and have extreme measures. And it's going to feel extreme only because when you doing something for the first time, it just seems like it's not natural. You're going through the motions, but I need people to step it up. Your social media team should be very, very, very well versed. They should have all kinds of uh, ethnics uh, on there. It really should just be a really colorful blend of women, men and everything in between. I need us to make sure that our aesthetics appeal to all. We need to have better hiring practices so that we can have black people in the top and the higher in the higher ranks. We need a whole upgrade of people's everything. So when I am working with a company, it's very important that I'm looking at your diversity on your team. What does the team look like that's looking for people that look like me? There is such an influencer gap, literally an influencer gap. You can have a person with the same years of experience, take the same high quality pictures, truly authentic in what they do. But somebody will consider that the person that looks like myself, because I'm a black brown woman, to think that they don't add value to the product. So we're going to pay them a little less and pay the other one a little bit more. I need that to stop right now. So yes, it matters to me. It matters to other people too, like you, <laughs> we just need for everybody to find a way to do a lot of a better, do a better job and how you represent your company. And if your company is not going to represent all people, that's a problem. So when people ask me Black History Month, you know, are companies reaching out? Yes, there are companies that are reaching out because again, they want to have this temporary representation. I need everybody to step it up and take it past a temporary representation and make sure that everything is colorful and eclectic, period. We are a colorful and eclectic world. We live in a colorful and eclectic place and we need rep companies to represent that. We are no longer accept. It's just no longer acceptable to just have situations be only be for one. It has to pull and make sure that it gives everybody their fair chance and everybody should have their shot, period.
And lastly, this month of January, I should say, went pretty fast. And now we're into February, the second month of the first quarter. Listen, there's so many people that have been sending me messages like, oh, I haven't even gotten my vision board together. Oh, I feel so bad. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I feel like I'm not really focused. January was just so crazy with everything that went down. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get refocused? Let me just say, if you want to continue to waste the end, the months that you have, don't do anything. But if you want to put some energy and some effort into the way that you move and the way that your life is moving, even if it feels like it's moving slow, I just need you to show effort. Where you don't have talent, but you have effort, I've seen it open a door. I'm telling you, I've seen it open doors many a day. You can be trained to do anything. This is the reason why we have people who don't know anything about all kinds of stuff and they be our heads of all kinds of organizations. And that's not a dig. That's the truth. You can be trained to do any job. But when you have that effort and you have that work ethic and you have that patience and you coming into the door making some noise and you just have this glow about you, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk to, you you know, talk to other people. When you leave rooms, your fragrance is smelling good. I'm not, not just talking about showers. I'm talking about the way you treat people. When you leave out of a room, your fragrance, the way you speak to somebody, the way that you handle other people, the way that you look at people, all those things should matter. It should be a sweet fragrance. When you're leaving the room and everybody's like, oh, you know how she do. You are setting a bad fragrance into the air. We have got to work on that fragrance. Some of us is out here showing up stinking. And I mean beyond showers and deodorant. We have got to stop walking into places and giving people the worst of us and expecting the best from everyone else. It's simple. We have got to get to the place where we treat people the way that we would like to be treated and we walk the way in which we would want someone to walk with us. The excuse is that that's just how I am. That is how he is. That is how she is. It's not okay. It does nothing for us and never will. So we have got to do our job to step it up so that a fragrance that we leave behind is something that somebody could be like, you know what? She, I don't know what she does, but I want to know more. That is the way we're supposed to live, no matter what our title is. It doesn't matter how much money you make. When your fragrance is bad, your attitude is bad and horrible. Nobody can get a word edgewise. You don't make, you're never smiling. You're never happy. You're always frowned up. Those excuses of that's just how I am does no longer works, not in 2021. No one is accepting that as the excuse anymore. We all have to do better and come up. We have to come up and do better for our lives, for the people that are around us. So no longer are we going to accept bad attitudes and bad dispositions in any of those things. We have to do better. We have to represent ourselves better. We have to talk to other people better. We just got to get it together. So the challenge, the challenge for this week is 
if you are on any social organization, we got to get it together how we represent that brand or your brand. The other challenge, and this is a personal challenge. If you're going to network, this is in LinkedIn, this is on Facebook, this is on Twitter, Pinterest, whatever you're on. I need you to own the room that you walk in. Walk into the room and own it. Be who you're supposed to be. Be confident in who you are, what you bring to that table. Remember, even if you don't have a lot of skill, but you have great energy, it'll open a door. And remember, you can be trained to do anything. But don't go around leaving the bad and the worst fragrance in the air. Self-care is important and mental health is even more important. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on making sure that we appear to, to be a certain way with other people that we forget that we have to take care of us. Some of us is putting the mask over other people, but not us. And so when the plane goes down, we're going down first. As a wife and as a mother, it's instinctually in me to want to make sure that my family is okay. It's instinct. It's going to happen right off the bat. However, the person that you might need to save isn't your family. And the person that may need to be healed may not be your significant other. The person that may need to be healed and need to be saved is going to be you. When you are in your house and you're creating issues and drama with the people that you live with, as much as you want to blame other people, reality is you might want to do an inner check. You might want to look back in that mirror and ask yourself, are you really stirring up to people the wrong way because something is wrong with yourself? It's always a negative Nancy's. It's always the people who have so much ignorance in them and themselves that spews that onto other people and then blames the other people for it. We have to take a certain personal responsibility to cover our minds and ourselves so that we can become better. And the way that which we talk to other people and the way that we interact with people matters. We have to do a better job of showing people love and patience. We have to do a better job of not cutting people off because they don't agree the way we want. Can't keep hitting people below, below the belt. We really have so much work to do. However, let's celebrate something. Can we celebrate that we've made it through the month of January? Can we celebrate that? Can we celebrate the fact that you thought you probably weren't going to make it, but you are? Can we celebrate the fact that this week was crazy, but we still got here? Can we celebrate the good and then use the bad to propel us for next week? Look at the things that you did this week that you didn't want to do. It could have been as simple as going to work every single day, dealing with the same crazy people at your job every single day. And FYI, that could be virtual or in person. If you made it through this week and you had to check your attitude so that you didn't present to your child the face of not showing somebody mercy and grace. I was listening to Fred Hammond. I'm like I said, I'm always going to let you know I'm a preacher's kid first. And as a child, I used to let my mom listen. I could tell you every Fred Hammond song and tell you what album it came from. If you don't know who Fred Hammond is, give it a chance. Listen to it. 
Fred Hammond to me is like the modern day David back in the, in the Bible days, David had a skill. He could play music. He could sing. He could do all these different things. And in his gift of playing music, he was even able to take the spirit of uh, murder from some, from, I believe it was King David. No, King Saul, King Saul. It might be the wrong person, but you get the gist. So having this ability to play music and put music together because music can be very healing. As I was listening to Fred Hammond this week, one of the songs, Show Me Your Face, came on. And a lot of times we attribute that back to God because that's what Christian Christian music is, gospel music is. However, Show Me Your Face was trying to teach me the patience that I needed to have for like my children. Like I want to make sure that when they see me, when they talk to me, that everything isn't about anger and yelling. It should always be a place of learning to understand where they're coming from and having that balance between being a mom and listening or being a mom and having to be stern. So everybody, when you hear music or when you look at art or when you hear something, it can be very subjective. And for me, the lesson for me was very simple. Changing the way that I talk to people and the way people interact and that fragrance that we are leaving in this earth matters. I had a friend, she's an extremely good friend. She listens to the podcast all the time. I won't shout her out because she's very shy, but I will say, she had even said to me, like, when I first met you, you know, you, you came off, I didn't know how to take you. Now, when I heard her, I said to myself, what am I projecting that people are that she or people in general are getting from my interaction, my face, the way that I carried myself? I'm gonna tell you right now, it's probably just my face. Because my face tells everything before anything goes down, my face will tell it before my mouth does. So I'm working on that because again, I can't keep having my face put me at a distance between people and then blaming people for seeing me the way that I'm at. So as we go into this next week, I know Valentine's Day is next weekend. We'll talk about all that next week. However, I want us to make sure that we celebrate those wins and we deal with the things that we felt like we could have done better. And then we don't beat ourselves up just because we didn't make, we didn't do the things that we were supposed to do. We have a moment to get it together. If you're breathing, if you're hearing this, you have a moment to do it right. And everything that you're going through, the things that you have been through, I'm telling you, it's going to be all a part of how you move. It's going to give you so much energy. It's going to give you confidence. When I get into certain things, I'm like, you know what? I already know I'm going to come out. It's just a matter of getting to that point where I actually come out. And some situations are stressful, more stressful than others. I've had stress come to me this last week and a half. And I've had to deal with that differently. Depending on what's going on. We need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves more than what we project. It's my job to put out pictures, right? Good quality pictures. Three or four times a week, that's that's the role. However, it's also important that when I look into that mirror, that even when my pictures are not the best, that the picture that I see in the mirror that I see in my eyes sight looks way better. That's giving me high quality. That's putting that high quality back into my life and then affecting other people that are around me. The way that I view myself and changing the way I view myself. Sometimes we look in that mirror and the only thing we focus on is the things that look bad. Oh, I don't have enough or I have too much of that. Listen, we're all going to go through that. 
but I want us to look in the mirror and make sure that we are proud of the things that we see. We are proud of the person that we are becoming. And if we're not becoming something, we got to change that. Do a better job how we carry ourselves and how we what we do ourselves. And listen, you can hear you. So when you're talking to yourself and you're saying you're too fat, when you say that you're too this and you're too that, your body hears that. You're hearing that. Change the way you talk to even yourself. This weekend, I'm going to be celebrating my husband all weekend long. I won't tell you what it is because I'll talk about that next week because he listens to the podcast. And I know he is trying to hear every tidbit of whatever he can hear. But we're going to celebrate him this weekend. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So out of, you know, sheer the fact that it's going to be on, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl Sunday game, of course. And other than that, it's going to be preparing for next week, which is going to be Valentine's Day related, getting all those things, you know, ready to go. I'm a big holiday person in general. So obviously I will be celebrating Valentine's Day. I celebrate Valentine's Day by making sure that I um, take care of my nieces and make sure that I send them things, take care of my own children. And of course, my husband. So that's what I'm going to be preparing for. Other than that, it's going to be another week of meetings. I got more content that has to be good, you know, get out. And I'm working on me. Working through therapy, working through the things that I have to get through and making sure that I'm becoming a little more healthier and a lot more sound. And of course, as the ultimate goal is healed. I hope that you have an amazing weekend. I am going to be having a glass of wine. You know, I have a glass of wine every single Friday. Not a Friday goes past where I don't have a glass of wine. And in case you care, I have also as well as limited my coffee intake. I have limited my alcohol intake for the week. Not just this week, but most weeks. Every week, actually. For this, uh, for since the beginning of the new year, I've been just decreasing caffeine and decreasing alcohol. No, I am not. I wasn't doing the dry January I'm not doing that not at all I probably would never I won't say never never say never but it's a strong sense that I would never let me stop saying never there's a strong sense that I would not most likely do a dry January it was just decreasing it for me it's just to help with my sleep patterns and to make sure that I'm healthy I'm focused on my wellness versus weight loss and all those other things I'm working on mind body and soul all of those things come together will help you achieve the best part of your life. So have a good weekend. Have a good week. Stay warm. Um, I think there's another small little clipper storm that could come. Nothing major that I could tell right now here, at least in Philadelphia. If you're living in those warm areas, please let me know because I'm telling you, I live vicariously through you because I need all the heat that I can get. I cannot stand being cold. So have a good weekend. Have a good day. And I will see you next week for more Conversations with Toy. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.